All right. Drop my book, ripping up my little music stand. Welcome to the world of Steve. <laughs> Did it again. Did it again. All right. It'll be good. I got it. I got it. Have faith. <laughs> You're visiting. For, my book's upside down now, too, in case you're wondering. But my zipper's up. That's what matters. <laughs> hey, if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. Um, we're a church that's trying to be all about Jesus, right? A church that we want to be about connecting people to a life-changing relationship to Jesus Christ. Um, a guy named Paul had his life changed by Jesus in a dramatic way and uh, totally a different guy on the other side. And he wrote these words in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I, I know what it is to be in need, and I, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. He needs to go on Oprah, right? And you found the secret of being content? Let me endorse your book, Paul. How, how long is the book? He said, actually, it's just a verse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can endure all things. I can overcome all things. I can, I can overcome everything that comes against me through him who gives me strength. Would you pray with me? Open palms, if you don't mind, symbolic of receiving from God this morning. God, we love you. We humbly come into your presence. God, there's no one like you. God, no one compares to you. And God, I, I pray that your word would come with power, that it would come alive this morning. God, I, I pray you enable us Enable me, Lord, just to get rid of any junk that's in the way so that we can come into your presence with clean hands and open hearts, God, open minds. And, and Father, enable me to speak your truth in the way that you want me to. God, I, I know uh, you brought every one of us into this room for a reason, and if we have ears to hear, we're going to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, we're in this series called uh, Tuned In. Hearing his voice above the noise, and, and, and we said from the outset that the, that the premise of the series is the voice you believe will determine the future you will experience. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. So the question is, uh, well, what kind of future do you, do you want to experience? Do you want a good one? Do you want a a future that's aligned with God's purposes and that's being lived out for God's glory? Do you, do you want a, a future where you are living out fully the life that God created you to live? Well, the question then is, what, what noise, what voices are, are you believing? Because the voice we believe will determine the future that we experience. This series is a, it, it's about overcoming the noise and the lies of our enemy Noise and lies that keep us and have kept us trapped in feelings of insecurity, bound up and paralyzed by fear, consumed by self-centeredness, and tainted and made to feel unworthy by shame. Maple Grove, this, this series, it's, a, it's about overcoming that noise, overcoming those voices with the words and the promises of God. And it's a series that is grounded around you know, five, five confessions, five things where we agree with God on, and, and those confessions are, you know, God says, I am. Uh, what matters is not who I think I am or what other people say about me. God says, I am. God says, he will. Uh, no matter, even if, the, even if the worst thing happens, God says he will be there at the bottom to pick me up and to lift me up. God says, it's not about me. God says that if I, if I actually lose myself and for him and his gospel and his kingdom, I'll actually find my very self. And God says he has, that he has, that his blood, that the blood of his son has covered all my sin and shame. God says he has. And this morning, June 14th, we're going to unpack our last confession God says, I can. And it's a confession that's going to help us to rise above and overcome the ways of discouragement. Question, has anyone in this room besides me 
ever been discouraged or disappointed? (laughs) Is anyone battling discouragement even now? And does anyone in this room believe that there's a very high probability that the the waves of discouragement are probably going to be crashing against the boat of your life in the very near future? I understand, as a Jesus follower, every Jesus follower has a calling. And the noise and the lies of the enemy are designed to interrupt, to, to derail, to steal, to kill, and destroy that calling. And listen, the truth is, if we're ever going to become who who God created us to be, if we're, if we're ever going to accomplish the good things that God prepared for us to do in advance in Christ Jesus, we will have to learn how to defy and overcome the onslaught of discouragement. You know, early yesterday morning, I, I was uh, sitting at my desk and I was doing some final tweaks on this conversation, and, and, and it just kind of hit me that, that discouragement is is so much more dangerous than I ever realized. I mean, discouragement is so much more deadly than the pain, the frustration, and the disappointment that we feel in the midst of it. You see, discouragement can and often does lead to feelings of fear. Discouragement can increase our sense of insecurity. Uh, uh, Discouragement can can cause us to become so self-centered that, that all, we, all we can see is the pain and the pit that we are in. Meanwhile, an entire world is waiting for us to engage them with our mission. And, and discouragement can also, it can, it, all, all, it can move us to act in ways and to, to, to do sinful things, to, to cover up and deal with our pain that bring on feelings of shame. Yeah, uh, discouragement, it, it's, a, it's a black hole that, 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 can, that is so destructive and that it can destroy our destiny in a heartbeat. Get it? Yeah, that wasn't so good, but we got it. Uh, here's my definition of discouragement. It's the gap between what we expect and what we actually experience. See, see discouragement is the it's the expectation gap. And, and, and discouragement, it, it, it can show up, in, it can show up in, in countless ways. Uh, uh, we want something, but we can't seem to be able to get it, and we become discouraged. Or, or we wanted something, and we got it. We got the job. We got the relationship. We got that opportunity, but it did not turn out the way we had thought it would or the way we hoped it would, and we become discouraged. Discouragement can set in because of what other people say or don't say, because of what other people do or don't do, or because we tried something and we failed. Uh, Discouragement can be set off by something big or something small or or something that's big to you but small to other people. Discouragement can hit as hard when we're winning as when we're losing. Uh, Sometimes discouragement, it, it comes on us like a flood. And other times it's just this Incessant drip of unmet expectations that seems to never, ever, ever go away. But understand, regardless of how it arrives, and it will, and it will arrive, unmet expectations are part of this falling world. Regardless of when and how it arrives, discouragement always displaces hope and leaves us feeling like this. It's not working. So what's the point? I mean, it's one thing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears and see the results. But going through all the pain, when there seems to be no purpose, no progress, when nothing seems to have changed, this is the place where discouragement it, it is born and where it, is, where it thrives and, and, and where it grows. It's not working. So what's the point? You, you know, I, I think the people walking around the walls of Jericho had to be wondering the same thing on, on that seventh day as they're walking around those massive walls for the sixth time on that day. The walls looked exactly the same as they did a week earlier. I mean, not even a single stone has loosened up. And they've been hoofing it, right, in the desert for days. It's not working. So what's the point? You see, It's not pouring ourselves out for a worthy cause that depletes us. No, it's 
What depletes us is giving something, everything we have, and seeming to get nothing back in return. And Maple Grove, when the eternal dialogue of discouragement begins to take root and, and mouth off in our heart and mind, we need to remember that the enemy's goal in this discouragement goes way beyond simply wanting to put us in a bad mood for a few days. No, he, he, he's trying to talk you out of trusting God's plan for your life at a foundational level. He, he's not just trying to derail you and bum you out for, for a few days. No, 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 no. He has a much broader target than that. He's aiming to impact what God wants to do in you, through you, and beyond you for his glory. Get it? Good. Uh, for example, discouragement can gradually undermine your passion for raising your children. I mean, it, it, can, it, can, even, it can even leave you feeling and behaving more like a, a, a prison warden than a shepherd. And yes, you'll miss the opportunity to enjoy your children and you'll regret this, but that's only one dimension of what you'll miss. I understand you'll also miss the opportunity to partner with God in preparing your children for their destiny. I mean, who knows what great works your children are capable of for God's glory. You see, as parents, we, we, are, we, are, we are God's agents appointed to help steward our children's calling. After all, they are his masterpiece, entrusted into our care. But when discouragement begins to bring us down, that, that gravitational pull sucks them down as well. And as parents, the enemy attacks our children by telling us, nothing you say to them ever sticks anyway. It's not working. So what's the point? Uh, they don't appreciate you and they probably never will, it's not working. So what's the point? It doesn't matter whether you take them, drag them, bribe them, to get them to church, it's not working. So what's the point? Other parents don't try nearly as hard and don't struggle nearly as much, it's not working, so what's the point? You ever feel that way? It's not working. What's the point? Ever feel that way about your marriage? It's not working. What's the point? Or about a relationship? It's, it's not working. What's the point? About your job, about your ministry, about a diet, about an exercise plan? I mean, you step on that scale, right? And you say, it's not working. What's the point? Ben and Jerry's, here I come, man. I'm beelining it right now. Double fudge brownie coming my way. Ever feel that way about some goal, some dream that you've been reaching out to for years? It's not working. What's the point? And you know, as I said nearly every week since we kicked off the series, you know, this series is for me, right? And anybody is welcome to tag along, but this is, this is for me because I need this series. I, I got to tell you, I know insecurity. I know fear. I know self-centeredness, I know shame, and I have swam in, jumped in, been drugged in the dark, deadly waters of discouragement more times than I can count. And I got to tell you, this series has been huge for me, and I'm going to go back and listen to it, because who knows what in the world I said on some Sundays, right? You know, I'll blame it on the Holy Spirit, right, or you know, the dinner I had the night before. You know, and, and I've talked to a lot of people. You know, this is making an impact because it's a noisy world out there. And it's sometimes hard to hear his voice. Again, discouragement is a gap between what we expect and what we actually experience. And whenever we find ourselves in this gap, we need to remember that God says, I can. God says, I can. God says, I can endure. God said, I, I can overcome. God says, I can make it through. Amen? And another way I want to attack and unpack this confession is by talking about the reality and about what I call the looks. I understand, just like, first reality, just like with insecurity, fear, self-centeredness, and shame, discouragement is everybody's battle. 
Everybody's. You know, and, and, and it's so important for me to talk about this because sometimes we can think that if we're discouraged, that makes us like a, we're, we're a spiritual wimp, right? We're a spiritual lightweight. And sometimes discouragement can, can make us think that, that we've denied the faith. I'm here to tell you that it, just because you're discouraged doesn't mean that you have denied your faith. Now, the enemy's going to lie to you, right? If you're such a Christian, I heard you singing those songs, great is thy faithfulness. If you really believe that stuff, you wouldn't be discouraged right now. That's just the lies of the enemy. And I'm here to tell you that just because you're discouraged, that does not mean that God cannot and will not use you in significant ways. After all, some of the greatest people of faith that we find in the pages of Scripture battled discouragement. The Apostle Paul battled discouragement. Here's a guy who wrote you know, half the New Testament, was arguably the most influential and effective Jesus follower who ever lived, yet he battled discouragement. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 and 9. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, that all we do is sit around a campfire, singing happy songs and eating s'mores. Life is so great for us. We never have any difficulties. So sorry that life is so hard for you. That's not what he says. We think you ought to know. We're not hiding it from you, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And then in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, he, he explains a little bit more of some of those emotions he had while in that gap of discouragement. He says this, you know, we are pressed on every side by trouble. Ever feel that way? Like everywhere you turn. We are perplexed. I don't know. I don't get it. Why is this happening? We are hunted down. We, we get knocked down. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Yes, we live under constant danger of death. John the Baptist battled discouragement. Matthew writes in Matthew 11, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been looking for? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? In other words, cousin, this is not adding up. I mean, I'm out there preparing the way for your coming, and for the kingdom, and I'm not seeing no kingdom, and I'm not seeing some army advancing against Rome. All I'm seeing is my butt sitting here in, in prison. And all you're doing is healing people. Uh, Jesus, I'm confused. This is not what I was expecting to happen. And Jesus tells him, you know, cousin, you're not getting out of jail, and you know what? I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing because this is the kind of kingdom I'm establishing. And then he tells the messengers, John sent, be sure to tell John this. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. You know, God blesses those who, when they're standing in that gap, hunted down, perplexed, abandoned, confused, don't know what's going on, but yet they say, you know what? I have faith in God in the gap. God blesses those who remain faithful in the gap. The prophet Elijah who had a massive bout with discouragement after what was perhaps his greatest victory. You know that victory? It's in 1 Kings chapter um, 18. I, I can't even talk about it because I would never stop talking about it. So you can just check it out. Bottom line is he goes up and at the end of things, you know, the guys, he's, he has 900 guys are dead and he's still alive, right? That's a pretty stinking great victory. 900 false prophets dead and he's standing up, yo aging it all, all over the place, right? He's pumped. He's excited. This is great. Life's going to be great from now on. And then we read the very next chapter. Now Ahab, he was the king, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a text message to Elijah, posted on her Facebook, Instagrammed him. You know, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like that of one of them. He's like, are you kidding me? I expected this great victory to turn things around, and, and now she's coming to get me. But I got to tell you something. You know what? She couldn't get him. You know, the enemy lies, right? Like he's going to come get you. She, 
She had no chance of getting him because he was God's prophet. And if 900 false prophets couldn't touch him, this wicked king couldn't. But the enemy was lying to him. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He, he came to a, a, a broom bush. And you ever see those? I got those in my backyard. That's where we get our brooms from. The, the, these brooms just stick right out. It's crazy. He sat down under and prayed that the broom, no, he sat down and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Ever been there? Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I thought I'd be better. I thought I'd handle this. I thought I'd handle difficulty better. I, I didn't think I'd fall away. I didn't think I'd get depressed. I didn't think I'd get discouraged. But here I am. I'm in the same place they were. I never thought I'd be here. Another guy who struggled with discouragement, a guy named David, King David. And I tell you, he battled it big time. And if you, whenever you open up and read his journals, you're like, yo, this dude needs some medication and he needs some serious counseling, right? Because David just, man, he got down. Many times he cried out as he did in Psalm 42, my soul is downcast within me. He says, man, I'm just not bummed out. I'm just not having a bad day. My soul, everything I am, my entire being is so depressed and discouraged. The great military commander Joshua battled discouragement. You know, he whoops up on Jericho. They go out and fight you know, a battle the very next day against a, a town called I, A-I, I don't know how you say it. It's just two letters. Two vowels, you figured out. And, uh, but anyhow, they lose, right? And he wasn't expecting another victory, right? Remember discouragement? Is that gap? Here's what this great warrior says. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? God, why'd you bring us out here? God, why did you give me this? Why did you give me this opportunity? Why did you do this if it's just going to be so hard and so difficult? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. I should have just stayed on the other side. I shouldn't even tried. He's battling discouragement. Now, one of the first examples of discouragement we find in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 29 in the life of a, of a woman named Leah. Um, a little bit of the backstory. Jacob was the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. And one day Isaac tells his son Jacob to go find a wife among his own people. So he goes to his uncle Laban's house. And yeah, if you're tracking with me, you're right. His dad actually told him to go and marry one of your cousins. And uh, you know, here is a great place to put in a joke about a state or something to make fun of it. Like that, but I'm not even going to do that, right? I see some people shaking their heads because they know their state's coming, right? And I'm not going to say that. I'm going to resist that temptation. I'm just thinking it, all right? Uh, you know, and, and then we read in, in verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, people debate what it means by weak eyes, but I think we can all agree that we would rather be called beautiful and a great figure than someone with weak eyes, right? Um, Jacob was in love with Rachel, he winds up working seven years to marry Rachel. Then Laban tricks him into marrying Leah instead. I mean, that's got to be a bummer, right? How in the world could you be tricked into marrying the wrong person, right? How does that happen? And then Jacob works another seven years to marry Rachel. So we have here, what we have here is the, the original sister wives right here in the Bible, right? You know, the Bible had it first. And then we read in verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, that's what she wanted, right? I want my husband to love me, right? What wife wouldn't want that? He enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Reuben means he has seen my misery. You know, if I have a son, right? Expectation. My, he, if I have a son, now my husband's going to love me, but it, it didn't go that way. Verse 33, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, so she named him Simeon, and Simeon means one who hears. God heard her cry. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me. You finally, my expectation after all these years will be met because I've borne him three sons, so she named him Levi. Levi means attached. And so, so, so Leah, she, she, she lived in this expectation gap for years, and it never worked. He, he never loved her. He never loved her like he loved Rachel. In verse 35, she conceived again, 
And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, which means praise. And then she stopped having children. I love it. I mean, Leah's not saying, you know what? It's not working. It's not working. So what's the point? No, 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 no. She didn't say that. Instead, she, she realigned her purposes and her priorities and her focus on God. This time. Yeah, I, I know that he doesn't love me the way I want, want him to. I know life's not working out the way I want it to. But this time, this time, I will praise the Lord. This time. Again, discouragement is this gap between what we expect and what we actually experience. And the question is, what do we do? What do you do? What do I do with this expectation gap? Now, some people pretend that it doesn't exist. There's no gap. And with, face, with disappointment, they, they deny the effects and pretend everything's okay. But listen, nobody's immune to discouragement. And, 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 and if all we do is hide our discouragement, hide the, the symptoms, our hope still dies. It just dies silently. And besides, ignoring the gap won't produce transformation. It'll only postpone the reality of frustration, uh, allowing it, it to pick up momentum. And, and, and then when frustration finally hits, and it will hit, it'll be devastating because we haven't dealt with our pain and discouragement in a realistic way. Like, yeah, this is terrible. This is hard. This is difficult. I, I don't like what's happening. It's not what I, I want to happen, yet I still trust in God. You see, we can, we can accept the facts without denying our faith. Now, others, instead of ignoring the gap, they give up in the gap. Sick of being let down, they simply lower their expectations uh, to the level of their experience. And then they start to live by, live by mantras like, well, I always hope for the best, but I expect the worst. And when the worst happens, their auto-reply is, story of my life. It's always that way. Understand, giving in to discouragement pacifies your disappointment at first, but before long, you realize that your pacifier is poisonous. Because, listen, as believers, when we... We, we, we lower our expectations to the level of our experience. As believers, when we lower our expectations to the level of our experience, we factor out God. And, and instead of looking for God to move and looking for a miracle of God and the movement of God and the grace of God, we begin to anticipate the outcome that we dread. And listen, since much of our experience is regulated by the level of our expectation, we begin to get what we're expecting. And we're not surprised. Story of my life. God comes through for other people, but he's never come through for me. It's that chicken and egg thing, right? Which came first? The lower expectation or the disappointed result? It really doesn't matter because either way, we're hopeless. Ignore the gap. Give up in the gap. I've done both. They don't work. There's a better way, and that better way is this time. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's still unmet. But this time, I will praise the Lord. This time, I will praise the Lord. And what I want to do right now is talk about, I want to give you, I want to give me some weapons. Weapons that will push back and will overcome the ways of discouragement and the lies of the enemy the lies that brought us to this place of discouragement. And, and, and here, here's the deal. Because I believe God's word is powerful. Here's the deal. If, if you walked in really discouraged through those doors a little while ago, you don't have to leave the same way. You don't have to. You don't have to because God can lift you up. Amen? The looks. I understand when we are standing in the gap and are feeling the ways of discouragement, begin to sweep over us, our first look needs to be, we need to look, we need to look up. Look where? Look where? That's what David did. Check out. Check this out. So good. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, 
I will remember you. I remember you. I remember who you are. I remind myself of your greatness. I mean, you're the guy who holds oceans in your hand. You're the God who breathes out stars. You're the one who is and was and always will be. You're the God who nothing is impossible. You're the God who loves me with a never-ending love. You're a faithful God. You're a God who keeps your promises. My soul is dead, cast, therefore I will look up and I will remember you. I always call that flipping the lens, right? You know, we look through these really cheap binoculars, and if anybody wants me to have a better prop, you can buy me some new ones, right? I stole these from my kids years ago. But I looked through here, like some of you, like I said, man, I have some big old heads here. You know, kind of, kind of freaky looking. Hey, hey uh, 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 guy back there, there's some egg between your teeth. No, kidding. Okay. You know? But when you flip this, right, it's like, wow, there's just, you guys are just, I can just pop, 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 right? And when we look at our circumstances through the lens of fear, everything seems so big, doesn't it? We flip the lens through the lens of God's power. It ain't, it ain't nothing but a thing, right? It's not a big deal. This week in our faith comes from here, faith comes from here and we read what is one of my favorite chapters in, in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, and in this chapter, the backstory is, you know, uh, God's people, they, they've been fighting for years. They're, they're wore out. They're tired of fighting. They, they fight a battle, they think it's their last battle, but it's not their last battle. And next thing you know, they get a text message, hey, guess what, you know, uh, we just saw on Fox News and CNN that, that there's a, that a bunch of nations are at your doorstep, they're about to come attack you, and it's, it's, it, they got more weapons than you could imagine, and, and the king is absolutely terrified. His name is Jehoshaphat, and, and you know what he did? He looked up, Here, check out this prayer. Here's what he did. Oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. You are powerful and mighty, God, and no one, God, no circumstance, nothing can stand against you. And if I'm standing with you, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. We need to look up. And we also need to look back. We need to look back at the faithfulness of our God. And that's what they did in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, the very next verse. Here's what the king prays. Oh, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Oh, God, did you not? Right? We need to look back. Oh, God, did you not? I mean, we all have, a, oh, God, did you not? Oh, God, did you not get me through that divorce? Oh, God, did you not pull me up out of that financial crisis? Oh, God, did you not get me through that health problem? Oh, God, did you not bring that person into my life who loves me the way that I should be loved? Oh, God, did you not give me that child I was praying for for all these years and thought that I would never see? Oh, God, did you not pick me up when I was dry? Oh, God, did you not fill me up when I was empty? Oh, God, did you not do these things in my past? If he was faithful in our past, he'll be faithful in our future. I, I tell you, one of the things I love about journaling, I got boxes of journals. I don't know what I'll do with them. You know, they'll just like hang around and get thrown in a dumpster someday. But, but every now and then, I'll read these. And you know what? I'll go like, oh, God, did you not? I mean, five years ago, he did, oh, God, did you not? I mean, I was in financial destitution, unemployed, thinking I'll never get a ministry again, having no money, no income, freaking out. And I look back, oh, God, did you not? Did you not deliver me from that? Listen, we need to look back and remind ourselves how faithful our God is. I love him. And then we need to look out. Because bad chatter corrupts good courage. I, I said many times before that, that you know, the enemy's not going to stop yakking, right? He ain't stopping. But that doesn't mean we have to open the door, Right? Give him a bus ticket and throw out a red carpet for him. Come on in and mess with my mind, right? We don't have to do that. We need to look out and say, hey, is there, is there some things I'm feeding my mind that I don't need to feed my mind? Identify what those things are. Identify the things that are put in the dis 
and our courage. Discourage. I mean, are, are there some people's voices you need to begin to filter out? Because all they do is bring you down. Every conversation goes south and negative in a heartbeat. You know, one thing I'm trying to discipline myself on is to, you know, to limit how many times I read emails or go on the internet and see how bad the world is. Yesterday morning I got up feeling already a little discouraged and I thought, you know, let me check my email. Let me see what's happening in the world. And I, I felt God say, seriously, dude? Like, seriously, you're, you're going to bring that garbage into your head, all that noise, and then you're going to sit down and talk with me? And I said, and I said you know, I'm not going to do that. No internet, no emails, nothing. I want no noise until I hear the voice of my father. Well, what about, maybe there's some TV shows you shouldn't watch or some books you shouldn't read that paint pictures that are not really reality that make you feel your life's not what it's supposed to be. Or, or, or maybe, maybe Facebook is a problem for you, right? Because Facebook is a place of, where, where we, compare our, our, we compare our lives to the picture of what other people want us to think their life is like, right? Yeah. Their life's not like that. They're not always smiling, right? You know, sometimes a baby does poop, right? I mean, it, you know, sometimes they do fight, but they put these pictures in. I want to tell you, comparison fuels discouragement. It's a, it fuels it. On the other hand, gratitude is a discouragement killer. Gratitude is like kryptonite to discouragement. And, and listen, some of us need to start being grateful for a blessing and an answer prayer that we have. Because you know, we're complaining about it. Like we said we wanted a, a child, and now we're complaining because that child cries in the middle of the night and wakes up, or now they're in their teenage years and we're having difficulties. Well, God said, there's a lot of people who would love to have a child. We're complaining about our spouse because they don't put their socks away or whatever. And, we're, and God says, you know what, there's a lot of people, you, you wanted a spouse and they really do love you and care about you. And, 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 and there's a lot of people who would love to have someone in their life. Uh, there used to be someone who laid beside them, right? We have ladies in this church. There used to be a husband who laid beside them for 50 years. They're not there anymore. They would love to have your problem. As a pastor, I can, I can get like, well, you know, wow, church sometimes is difficult and hard, you know, and I can throw a, a, a poor, poor baby Steve party, and, and God says, you know what, Steve, there's a lot of guys who would like to have a ministry. There's a lot of guys who like to have an opportunity to do what you want to do. Start being grateful for what you have. You know, some of us need to go back. We did it for like 70 days. Remember that gratitude deal? And every day, starting the day, one or two things we're grateful for. I don't know about you, I need to do that again. I need to do that again. And, and, and next uh, we need to, oh, oh here's, the, here's the lookout filter for what you let in your mind. I, I got to go. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, all right, here's, 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 what, here's what you roll out the red carpet for and open the door for. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And next, we need to look beyond. We need to look beyond ourselves. Paul writes, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And Solomon writes, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will what? Will themselves be refreshed. And you know, my wife, Laurie, experienced this just yesterday. And she put it on her Facebook, pretty cool. You know, and she's running around getting what you, crazy stuff you do when you're ready to put 50 people on the bus to go to Michigan, leaving at midnight, you know, um, tonight. And... and Yesterday, she's running around, and she comes up to some stoplight, and here's a homeless guy, and comes up to the window, and she says, what can I do for you? And he says, well, what I really need is a conversation. It gets kind of lonely out here. And so Laurie pulled off somewhere, and they, they talked for about 15 minutes, and they, they shared each other's story. And I, I love what the guy said when Laurie left. He says, thank you, Laurie. Remember where I am. And if you ever need someone to listen Come find me. You see, she, when you look beyond yourself, and I, I guarantee, though she still had a ton of stuff to do, and I can tell you she did, tell you when she got it done, I guarantee you, looking beyond herself allowed herself to be refreshed. You want to get out of discouragement, find someone that you can help. I mean, there are people who have problems that will help us see that our problems are not as bad as we think they are. Did you know that it's been scientifically proven that people who volunteer on a regular basis are happier and more content than those who do not? 
We've got to look beyond ourselves. And it's kind of cool that, you know, the compassion team after service will be in the foyer handing out those little cards they have done before where you take this card and, you know, like pay for someone's meal in the, in, in the drive through behind you. But these random acts of compassion cards, they're going to be passing these out. So this very week, everyone in this room has an opportunity to look beyond yourself, right, and reach out to somebody else. And if ever you want to find out how to do that, you know, meet with the compassion team and say, you know what? I'm too much worried about myself and all my issues. Is there somebody I can help out? And you just see what happens. And also mark your calendars for September the 20th. Um, It's a Sunday, and we're calling it um, Compassion Sunday, and we're going to meet here maybe 8.30, have some worship, and then we're going out to 10 different projects in the community. Rather than having church Sunday morning, we're going to go out in the community and be the church, and and, and then we'll come back later that night, maybe 6.30, just to party and celebrate the experience that we had. And you can see in your insert, there's the 10 projects are there that you could sign up for, but that's about getting beyond yourself. Next, we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to look around. And, 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 you know, is there somebody in your life that is there and who is pouring courage into you? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You know, who do you have around you that is pouring courage into you? You know, my, my family is real good at that. I got my family, and I got a D group. And I got one guy in my D group that is so intentional about it. I love him to death, Dan McClish. I cannot tell you how many times Dan McClish will grab me on a Tuesday morning after we met or on a Sunday by both of my shoulders, look him in the eye. Most of the time, he's got tears in his eyes saying, I love you. I'm praying for you. You're making a difference, Steve. Don't let it. He just, he's just, he just, Dan just pours it in. I get notes in the mail from him, right? You know, do you have people around who are pouring courage into you? Understand, we have more than enough people who are dissing our courage and turning our courage into discourage. What we need is more people in our lives who are inning. I know, it makes sense to me, right? We need more inners, right? We, no. I was thinking of belly buttons, right? I'll see that. <laughs> what we need is more people in our lives who are inning our courage, who are encouraging us. You know, I think we all, right? You know, we all like a, let's just, let's just try not, let's try to stop dissing everybody else's courage, right? Let's just stop doing that. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're in this room, you're guilty of it, so we can all be honest, right? You know, we're all guilty. Let's stop. And, and then we need to look ahead. Understand, you're not always going to be where you are. And even if you will always be where you are, like John the Baptist in prison, you don't have to be who you are, where you are. You don't have to be depressed in that gap. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be down. You don't have to be disappointed. You can be something else if you look ahead. Understand, God as a plan for you that you know nothing about right now. And listen, that means that sometimes God, God is going to take you and I down a path that makes no sense whatsoever. We're like, where are we going? This doesn't make sense. This, God, this doesn't seem to be leading anywhere, and if it's leading anywhere, it doesn't seem like it's leading anywhere that is any good. But, but here, like I said, this... I got to preach a sermon to myself all week long. God knew I needed it. And, um, you know, but but here, here's the truth that I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to both learn and to embrace. Don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. You see, believing in God means assuming that God is always working. Even when our eyes cannot see. Even when our faith, even when our effort, even when our love, even when our prayers don't seem to be working at all, faith believes that God is working. It's that Romans 8.28 thing, right? That even though my eyes can't see, God, I know that you are working. I know that you are causing all things to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Guys, realizing this will open up our hearts and minds to accept 
whatever God allows in any particular season of our life without being overtaken by discouragement. God, I don't like where I'm at, but God, I, I know you're doing something. God, I, I know you're up to something. I, there's, there's a lot I don't know. There's a, there's a lot I don't understand. There, there's a lot I don't like. There's certainly a lot I don't know, but I know you. And you're always up to something. You're always working. You're always moving. You're always doing. You're always doing your thing, God. And I will not let what I expected keep me from living in what you want me to experience. Because sometimes what he has is much better than what we expected. I mean, many times God, God exceeds our expectations. In fact, if he always met our expectations, he could never exceed those expectations. You know, five years ago when I was expecting maybe possibly to find another opportunity to preach again, God exceeded that and gave my wife the opportunity to work with students full time. He exceeded. Man, if he just answered what I expected, I had to go through some dark times and some gap time, but God exceeded those times because that's what God does. Maple Grove, God is always up to something. Don't quit on six. Don't quit on six. And Joshua chapter six, God's people were walking around the city of Jericho For six days, they marched around the city, and the wall still stood. Nothing changed. Twelve times around, they're sweaty. Their feet are hurting. It's dusty. They're thirsty, and nothing's changed. No stone loosened. Nothing had changed at all. What if they quit on six? What if they quit on six? We know what the walls wouldn't fall down. Don't quit on six. You have no idea, and I have no idea how close we are to seven. We don't know how close. I mean, how many times have we quit on six and we missed out on seven? Paul put it this way. It's like, let us not become weary in doing good. Oh, it gets hard, man. Some of us are weary, right? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if what? We do not give up. That's true. Like, God doesn't lie. Do not become weary. Keep doing it. Because if you keep going on, you keep doing it, it'll happen. I I, got to read a a quote from uh, the great theologian Rocky Balboa real quick. Um, Let me tell you something. This is from, I I didn't think Rocky Rocky VI would be good, but it actually was. And and if you don't like Rocky, you're just not as good a Christian as I am, all right? (laughs) Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are at, are at it, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And God says, I know you're tired. And God says, I, I know you feel like it's not working. What's the point? And God says, I, 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 know the, I know the gap's still there. But God is wanting you and I to say, you know what? Yeah, I know it's still there. But this time, this time, I will praise the Lord. This time, even though it's not the way I want it to be, like Leah, we're going to say, this time, I will praise the Lord. Uh, there, there's one more look. It'll be a quick one. Uh, the team will come up for our closing song, and, and, and this is just look in. Look in. And, and this is about, you know, you asking yourself, what, what can you do to pull yourself up out of this funk, right? You know, what can you do? Now, the fact that you're here is good, right? I mean, most of us come to church, hopefully, to be encouraged, Right? You know, to have, you know, the world beats us up and hopefully we come in these, these walls, get a few hugs. If mercy's around, everybody's going to be hugged, right? And, 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 and to be encouraged, right? You know, but what can you do? You know, read your Bible. 
you know, start serving somewhere, start speaking, start preaching to yourself. I, 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 I really started preaching to myself, right? You know, you know, of who I am. You know, I, I am God's masterpiece. When I feel like I'm about to be defeated, I am, in Christ Jesus, I, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm strong and courageous. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a new creation, right? You know, I, I can, I can, I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, what can you do? Look in. What can you do to lift yourself up? Listen to music. Go out in nature. What draws you closer to God? You know, some of you today, as we wrap up, you know, you know, need to, some of you, God is saying, you know what? You just need to look up. You forgot how big God is. Some of you need to look back, right? Because you're forgetting, like, oh, man, you did do that. Some of you need to look out. Man, you're just inviting too much garbage and noise that shouldn't be there. It's just messing you up. Some of you, most of us, every one of us who's going to pick up a card, we, need, we all need to look beyond ourselves, right? There's a world that needs us. You know, we need to look around. Let's have some people that can pour courage into us. And let's, let's this week, let's see who we can pour courage into. And we need to look ahead, know that our God is always working. Our God is always moving. He's always up to something. And he's up to an ultimate something, right? One day we're going home, right? We look, we look far enough ahead. It's like, woo, right? Ten billion years from now, we're going to be rocking it, right? It's going to be good. And then, then God is saying, hey, look in, right? You need to do something. You know, get off your, your, your spiritual behind and do something to lift yourself up and to bring yourself up into my presence. And God says, when you do that, it will be well with your soul. Let's stand up. If you're here today, you need some prayer. You feel called to come up front and just pray yourself, whatever. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this day. And God, I pray you use this incredible song, Lord, so that we can know, Lord, that no matter how hard life gets and difficult, that with you, no matter how deep the gap, how wide the gap between what we expected and what we experienced, that we can know it's well with our soul. Because we can take great confidence that the waves and the wind, they still know your name. In Jesus' name, amen.